Greetings from New Jersey Institute of Technology. I'm Mike Small, an executive director of the Alumni Relations Office at NJIT. I'm very proud to be with you here today for the inaugural Tea with Alumni, hosted by the Hillier College of Architecture and Design. So now I'd like to introduce John Kays. John is the Associate Dean and Director of the School of Art and Design. Thank you, Mike. Uh, actually, three years ago, we started a series of events uh, during which the college alumni uh, were meeting with students to talk about their uh, experiences uh, at school and at work, uh, to share thoughts about their respective professors and, and how they are evolving. Uh, from the very beginning, we wanted our students to learn that there are many uh, different paths that they can choose and, and that it's up to them to take the initiative and to be entrepreneurial in finding the work that makes them happy. Uh, since then, our Tea with Alumni have become popular with, uh, with, uh, with students and, and our graduates. Um, uh, and uh, in addition, uh, we're meeting uh, students where they're reviewing their portfolios and even helping them to network and land the first jobs. Um, we hope that this initiative will help students to learn about the wide range of opportunities to utilize the skills and knowledge um, acquired uh, during their education and to more fully realize their potential. Um, today we are hosting the first ever virtual Tea with Alumni, and I want to thank our presenters Benjamin Gross, Jonathan Ferrer, and Pamela Ospina for joining us. I'm grateful to have, uh, I'm grateful to the executive director of the NJIT Alumni Relations, Mike Smolin, for leading today's meeting. And also I want to thank Dean Kolarevic um, uh, for participating in this event. So we have we have some questions that, uh, that we're gonna be discussing tonight. Um, I don't know if we want to just list them all. Um, I, I think, maybe better would be just to uh, throw out a question to, to uh, all of our panelists to, um, to maybe uh, talk uh, amongst themselves and maybe give their own uh, thoughts and, uh, and responses to this. So, um, so just maybe you can start by telling us uh, what is your field of expertise and, and what do you do now? And why don't we start with um, Pamela. Pamela, your most recent, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, what you're doing now? Um, so I currently work at M. Moser Associates, um, it's an architecture firm, and we really focus on um, workplace design. So for the past two years after graduation, I've been working there, um, and we really do um, design to assist companies and businesses to stay motivated and um, really hone in their productivity through, through design. Okay. Say say that again, Mike. Oh, I read the list. He definitely said Jonathan Ferrer. <laughs> so, hello, I am Jonathan Ferrer, and I am the designer and founder of Brew Watch Company, and I, I focus on the design and manufacturing of watches specifically. And I started my company almost six years ago, uh, recently out of college, and that's what I'm still currently working on till this day. And uh, let's try that one more time. I think I've unmuted myself correctly. Uh, ben, why don't we go to you? Hello, uh, my name is Ben Gross. And uh, let's see, I currently work at uh, ETS, Educational Testing Service, and um, got my start in sort of 3D modeling, uh, digital design. But uh, over the years, I've really 
uh, started to focus in user experience design and and uh, learning software. It's great. So uh, for the for the sort of follow up question on that, um, what specifically in your education uh, in the Hillier College and at NGIT prepared you to do what you're doing right now? I mean, were there were there particular things? Um, or just a general kind of education that you got that, that gave you a firm foundation uh, for um, uh, for your current successes. Ladies first, I think. Putting <laughs> me on the spot. So um, really, NJIT has um, really honed in all the, the technical um, advances that we have um, in the field. Um, from learning all the software to also um, being conceptual when designing. Um, I still even really, what I really do enjoy is the reset, the research um, aspect of it. I still remember our collaborative studio um, with Martina and that really was focused on, on research-based design. And I'm taking that even right now um, in the workplace and really understanding what what companies need, um, and really understanding human centric design um, by researching and understanding um, all that. So NJIT has really made me a well rounded person overall um, by all the different um, classes that we needed to take, and not just through design but through other means as well. I'll, I'll jump in next. Uh, I would say NJIT gave me a multifaceted uh, way of looking at design. So your typical thinking for an industrial designer when you go in is make a product. And we definitely learned how to make products. But uh, with teachers such as Jose Acala, he taught us the experience of a product. And it's everything from 3D printing, which back when I was in school was new and fresh. You know, we had our 3D printers brought to us and it was the new wave. And so tinkering from 3D printing at our, our new maker spaces back then was very interesting. But also the way of uh, designing a product to how it entered the market and how people interacted with it and analyzing it in a way and going through its entire life cycle changed the way I thought about products uh, the user experience, and and those are just uh, a few of the many, many facets that I've learned. And if I had to say there was like one full round way of thinking that I got from NJIT, it is that you need to be a multidisciplinary designer, thinker uh, to thrive in this world. You, you can't be too specialized. You need to have an open mind and, and passion for many things. And, and that's definitely one of the, the very few things uh, that I've gotten from NJIT. Yeah, um, I would I would definitely echo that. I think one of the strongest, well, if I'd say the two strongest things from digital design um, that I got at NJIT was that we, we had a really encompassing education that covered a lot of areas of digital design, animation, 3D, um, web development. Even we even had a, a hardware class with Arduino and, and some digital installations. And I really appreciated this because we didn't really know back in, you know, 
2010, 2012, where the web was going, where the digital world was going. And to not over-specialize into like one specific bucket and, you know, five years out, you're not sure how popular that field's going to be, how open that field is going to be to automation or to software that uh, makes it easier, um, really gave me a leg up. So as I said, I moved into user experience design with no real formal education in it, but the digital design program taught me uh, to collaborate with our, our years of studio time and to think empathetically and to work with people. And then that just combined great with um, all the software and the technical knowledge and specifically the, the skill to pick up new knowledge and software too. You never know when the next best thing's gonna come out. So we really learned to learn in a sense. So I'm hearing, you know, a lot of these uh, these common tr uh, tra traits in your general education. I'm wondering now, um, is there a, a a specific moment or sort of inflection after graduation that uh, that led you to a particular decision that that kind of spurred a kind of success that you that you are experiencing now that you can kind of say that moment right there was a was a turning point, and maybe it ties to other things in your education, but maybe it's something you know also not necessarily related directly to it, but some moment that that said, "Yeah, I'm going to go this way, not that way," and that you know that led you to where you are right now. Um, so I think, kind of um, echoing what I said before, prior, just I think really understanding that yes, I had a passion for design um, and that was apparent, but also realizing that there's ways that we can create more depth um, through design um, and really understand the research behind it. So I'd say um, taking that collaborative studio um, with other peers and understanding that there are different fields out there that we can all um, essentially work together in order to create one end goal um that really did kind of strike uh it was a, a game changer for me at that moment realizing that there's so much more to it there's so much more depth and um as i'm in the workforce now and understanding that design is one aspect but there is a lot more to it and more understanding of what specifically in interiors or architecture um what do occupants need? What do humans need? And how do we best evolve for that? So I think just fully um, grasping uh, the design and the research part together, um, I think that was a game changer moment for, for myself. Uh, for myself, when I discovered that I had access to suppliers and manufacturers, um, again, more in the industrial design arena, you have the bug of wanting to create something. Uh, everybody has a different thing or experience that they want to create. Uh, for me, it was watches. And when I found through freelancing that I had access to suppliers and manufacturers shortly after school. So this is like, we just graduated. I think I was still finishing my, my calculus at the time that I had access to suppliers and manufacturers. That industrial designer, that, that, that mind, that, that bug that we all have was I can create things. Um, and then to school now, well, I know how to do my technical drawings. I know how to do my 3D files, 3D printing. 
I had my foundation. Now I have this new, the gates are open. You have access to make anything you like. That's when the success moment or uh, the gates were open to do what I want. And not many people are, are fortunate to know what they want to do for a long period of time. Even myself, everything could change very soon. Um, you're fortunate if you, you find yourself in a channel where you're doing the same thing and you're evolving and growing within that field. That's where you usually get your experts. Um, but that's the moment when I had access, the gates were open. It was just Jonathan, make what you like. Of course you have to do it professionally and knowing um, what your capabilities are on your own, what your capabilities are for suppliers uh, on their end. And I definitely got my feet wet even when I wasn't ready, but I said to myself, at least I'm going to learn and learn soon. Um, because I think right out of school, you had this no fear, nothing to lose uh, mentality, uh, if you're fortunate to be in that position. And it's, it's definitely snowballed ever since then. How about you, Ben? Yeah. Um, hmm, for a, a specific moment, I'd probably say that the foundation is really the studio courses. I mean, I, I can't, the amount that you learn in those courses when you have so much time and so much access to critique from both your peers, external critics, um, as well as your teacher or, or primary critic. Um, I think that in combination with sort of a snowballing effect of, of adopting software really um, in digital design, uh, it becomes easier and easier to learn sort of complementary skills. You know, maybe your first piece of software is Photoshop and then it becomes easier and, you know, Illustrator has the same stuff and then you want to learn animation. So maybe you move over to After Effects and um, this snowballing effect uh, for me really expanded right out of school where I kind of worked on a passion project, just a video game. That led me to learn a lot more about sort of designing interfaces and systems. So kind of expanding my, my visual focus, 3D focus in school to more of a mechanics, a UI and systems capabilities. And um, then that really situated me to get a, a job at, at ETS where they were really looking for somebody who could uh, bridge separate teams as well as, you know, not just design sort of the interfaces and mock things up, but also create the final assets for a product, you know, animations. And I think that that just made, uh, made me a lot more marketable. You know, I can, I can apply and, and look for more buckets uh, across the digital fields. So this gives me, you know, I mean, it brings me to another thought. Um, the world right now that we're living in is, really kind of sideways, right? Uh, it's, uh, it's a scary time. It's, um, you know, full of uncertainty, lots of things changing. Um, what do you see in the, for yourselves in the next you know, five, maybe six years? Uh, not too, too far out, but still, you know, with everything that's changing, what do you think that you have to uh, kind of ground yourself in? And then also, what do you think you could maybe respond to and in, in the way that the world is changing um, with all the challenges and opportunities that that are emerging um i think when it comes to um i mean these past few months have been i'm sure very challenging for 
for everyone. Um, but really understanding that there is more to, um, you know, it's, it's really important to have a work-life balance. And I think that is something that definitely has taught me these past few months, um, that there are simple things in life that we can enjoy and we should be enjoying. Um, and I think that's more from a personal standpoint. Um, but then also, I guess when it comes more to as a professional, um, that we, we do, people are looking at us as designers of, um, how to mold the world right now. How, what, what are the next steps that we're going to take in order to, um, progress and make sure that this doesn't happen again, or if there's ways that we can prevent it. So from an architectural interior standpoint, um, you know, like looking more into um, how we can specify finishes or um, really design the spaces in order to um, prevent this from happening again. So like antimicrobial um, materials overall can essentially help mitigate all that. So um, from a design standpoint, I think it's it's a great opportunity to really take a stance and look at what the next steps of innovation are um, through these difficult times. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, this was a, a definite night and day huge change. Uh, so since I design and have manufacturers in different countries around the world, COVID affected everybody differently, but as a whole, it was very dramatic and negative in the beginning. So if I had to say, how did this affect everything? I would say for manufacturers, it really squeezed everybody in terms of capabilities. Those that weren't capable of surviving a period of time or didn't have enough staff or safety or um, everything overall to survive a period like that, they got squeezed and to be frank, they didn't survive. Um, but now other suppliers that did survive uh, found ways to maybe better insulate themselves with uh, better finances or had maybe better customers. So. Um, this is a very specific case, but I found that many suppliers had fell, fallen off. People don't talk about this, but this is what happened. Many suppliers fell off. So manufacturers lost factories, um, but factories that were doing good survived and now they're thriving because they're getting more business. Um, so through this, I had to find new suppliers um, and now I had to cultivate new relationships. But in the past, I would typically go and visit these countries and visit these factories and you know, create that relationship in person, but now it's all done digitally. And, and you figure out when you're doing business like this, it's, it's high costs, high risks. Um, to do this digitally is it's, it's very risky. Um, so it definitely pushed the capabilities of all suppliers and, and myself to find a way to work together past this. And now the other thing that's really interesting, so now that was the negative, squeezed, and now everybody's a little bit more efficient if they survived. The other part of this is the, the positive part as an online business, which the majority of businesses that, that are, are delivering products are online. Uh, it, it's a big analytics game, meaning everybody's online. You're, you're searching websites, you're searching products. Uh, everybody's building profiles and tons of data. So the, the positive part about this, and, and it's crazy to talk about to think about, is there's just so much data that's being circulated and, and analyzed. Um, as a business like mine, I, I like to track to see who my customer is, where they're coming from, referrals, how long they stay on the website. 
So, and if you're like this, the traffic is through the stratosphere compared to where it has been the past. So I'm learning more about my customers now exponentially, much more in a shorter period of time. So I was able to make my manufacturing more efficient. So that's buckled down. And now I'm able to learn more about my customers. Naturally, you'll always have organic relationships. But for the masses, you, you want to study and understand why are people visiting you. And yeah, I say this as a small business, but that's what the majority of businesses are, are doing these days. And so I think that's a, it's a very interesting time to analyze and understand what's happening from COVID's uh, interruption in, in the world's economy and business. Thanks, John. Ben? Um, yeah, so I would say that uh, uh, I feel very fortunate and thankful um, to really think about how digital design uh, was probably one of the least impacted and in many ways um, sort of saw an advantage out of sort of this tragedy in that, uh, you know, we're seeing more, you know, we we have to move from sort of an online optional to an online required life in, in many ways. And we have to think about how uh, things that we previously did physically are now now need to be done digitally, at least temporarily. So I'd say for my field, uh, at least for me personally, there really hasn't been much of any impact. If anything, there's, there's more work to go around because um, we have to quickly create new software for, uh, for spaces that didn't really need it before because it was more of a, a physical space. And then also uh, we need to start thinking about expanding accessibility to existing software now that there's so many more people you know, online. Um, so I'd say uh, digital design may have been one of the, the luckier fields in this pandemic. So one thing that I'm, I'm hearing between uh, all of these is a kind of uh, uh, maybe an opportunity for evolving interfaces and different ways to experience. And th these are the, the kinds of things that I think are, are uh, that may stay around even once the world kind of writes itself and once, you know, the clear and present danger is passed. And do you think that, uh, you know, we, we stay with some of this? Do you think that the, 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 I mean, this field of UI UX, right, is a broad field and all of you are in it. You know, some of you are dealing with physical interfaces and physical experiences, and some are dealing with digital uh, interfaces and digital experiences, which you kind of brought back to the stories you were telling about your time as students. Um, I, I wonder if you have uh, some predictions about these interfaces, these kinds of um, uh, ways that the different disciplines might actually uh, riff off of each other. And what I'd like to do now is sort of have you all unmute yourselves and just talk about this thing and see if you if if you're the you're the team now and I'm putting you together and you guys have to come up with the next you know greatest thing. What's that going to be? And how how's uh, how is your education and all of your experiences and work and and just your your regular smarts and are going to bring you to something that is going to be, um, you know, really helpful. Um, 
I'll, I'll go real quick. And it's, it's wonderful that you, this is such a good question. It involves all of us um, in this. Right now, uh, for the specific case of making watches, it's a physical, there's a reason there's retail stores. What happens when you remove retail stores? How do you get that experience? Now, this is what's happening. I'm having all of my products 3D modeled to a T and rendered, and it's gonna be a VR, AR experience. So just as you mentioned, John, it's how do you create a, a user experience that is for the future that will last past COVID, that's efficient, both, both for, for cost, but just convenient at home when you're on your couch. You're in the architecture building, you're tired, but you might be interested in a product on Amazon or anywhere in the world, and you want to know before you make a payment and spend your hard-earned money what this product would be like. Navigating a website was the, the thoughts five years ago. That should be complete. Now, having good websites, one thing. Now, what happens if the product you've never handled comes up and you need to communicate that to a customer? It's VR, AR. That's that's a hundred percent what what's going to be and. And that's why now I'm working with uh, different software developers and, and different 3D modelers, and people are going to render these um, to make that as real as possible, basically create that. So that, that's what Ben is doing. That's what Pamela's doing. And guys, please chime in. I'd love to hear yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, off of that, too, um, I mean, like, even as a, as a designer for, for workplace, like, that's people are, you know, some people are fearful of going back, others are ready to go back to work. Um, and we are also finding new technologies and new ways to make make it a little bit more comfortable. So um, we're trying to also like develop an app um, and, and we need like use digital design in order to do so and to understand like this is how the end user can use this app to make sure that they're at distance at the six feet that they need to by CDC regulations. Um, so there are ways that a lot of our um, sectors are, are intertwined, I would say. And um, we're really trying our best to understand what are the nuances that are going to happen? How are we going to get people to, to not have this fear um, and to really move past this and, and you know, have some sort of... Um, like normalcy throughout. So, um, yeah, I don't know Ben, if you have anything to. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you both covered sort of digital design's role pretty clearly already. Um, we, you know, anything that that a, a digital designer, user experience designer, three D modeler, in the case of AR VR, or somebody with the ability to scan um, physical objects in and format that for working on the web. Um, you know, it's, it's just, it's just such a, a growing field, you know, we uh, designers and, you know, if we think in the, the realm of user experience, um, if there are a lot of traditional sort of fields that didn't worry so much about a web presence or a digital presence, and now they're thinking, Okay, well, I'm going to need to to expand this. Maybe my first, you know, logical step is to get a website. Pretty pretty clear. But what if you had a very specific aspect of the market or specific people that um, you previously were sort of selling products to? Now you have to think about how those specific people 
are going to move with you to the digital space. And that's where research comes in, in user experience design with studies, uh, you know, with, with marketing to reach out to these people, and then with basic usability to ensure that they can access your content in this new uh, digital sphere. Oh, John, you're muted, so. Thanks. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if uh, if you've heard that uh, that the um, the School of Art and Design is is getting into the graduate uh, offerings. Uh, you all graduated with undergraduate degrees, but we are actually moving into this this arena even more with uh, three uh, graduate, um, uh, oh, actually four uh, graduate certificates: one in digital arts, uh, one in uh, in gaming. Uh, and uh, inter interactivity, one in UI UX, and the other in animation. Uh, so you know we're we're sort of looking at at these kinds of um, industries growing. We believe that they will grow, um, and we also believe that they have a uh, a correlation with what happens in the physical world. So there's always kind of a um, there's two ways that we inhabit. Uh, space now. We we are physical beings and we live in our bodies and in, in, in physical space. And yet, um, you know, through our mediating devices, you know, our phones or uh, these screens that we're on right now, um, you know, generally uh, information technology that is changing in the fourth industrial revolution, the way that we uh, understand each other and, and uh, communicate and get things done. Um, I mean, uh, what would you say uh, would be the thing that um, somebody like a designer with uh, an undergraduate uh, perspective with design would want to do at a graduate level or as as lifelong learners? What what are the next things that they would want to necessarily uh, uh, acquire in order to propel themselves into the future? Do you think we're on the right path? Is it do, do these things sound reasonable or? Um, Curious to know what you what you think about uh, hearing this news. Can I jump in this one? I get excited with this question. Good question, John. Uh, so you're asking about the, the future and, and not just tech, but how it affects the younger generations with their studies. Are they essentially studying the right category to catapult themselves in, in a very, let's just say, successful career for the rest of their lives? I would say there's one word that will be the future of, of everything from design and tech, and that would be immersion. Everything is about immersion through technology, right? You look at Elon Musk and he jokes, but he's serious and he says, we're cyborgs. We have headphones in our ears for 90% of the day. We're on Facebook. We, we live through our devices. And so you also look at Google and you look at Facebook and they're with Oculus and TikTok and it's about your eyesight and how it engages with your phone and you know, building profiles. So it's all funnel to immersion, which equals UX, UI in, in a way. And that's, that's my sum of what I believe it's going to be. So if I had to bank on this and I had to put all my money in one stock, it would be UX, UI. Like that would be my time investment, you know? That's it. I like it. it it's good. Thank you. Yeah. Um, 
I would add to that that from the experience that I've seen at my job, um, I've seen UI and UX primarily fall into into two buckets. Well, maybe I could say three. Um, one includes sort of UI, UX, and being able to develop or program a website. That's really sort of the holy grail, the white unicorn. Every company wants somebody that can design an application and build it. Um, now that's asking a lot. You're going to have to get some computer science in there as well. But I would say that that is the, the largest growing area that I've seen. The other direction, sort of what I, what I took from, from my undergrad degree at NJIT was, uh, was generalizing in what I call everything else. So this is animation, graphic design, illustration, and then UI and UX. Um, so I think that's also a, a growing and very marketable field because basically they pair you up with a developer and you have already, you know, maybe a marketer, you have a team that can build almost any digital product. And the only other third sort of uh, growing area that I'd say is a um, probably combining one of those areas like digital asset creation, development, as well as research. Mm -hmm. uh, user, you know, understanding your users, understanding what they want so that your product is actually going to be successful is also huge. So uh, it's really the, the combination. I wouldn't say that any one thing is enough, like just interface design, just research, um, maybe just development. Just developers still do pretty good. But you know, if you can get two of those areas down, you're going to be really marketable. That's great. Thank you, Ben. That's great insight. And Pam, I know you work on the physical side a lot, uh, yeah. but I also know that you are expert in, you know, uh, utilizing digital interfaces, um, you know, in order to explore the kinds of things that you do. So uh, as, a, as a kind of power user, um, what do you see as the sort of next, the next thing that uh, needs to be developed in order to facilitate the work that designers do that, uh, and that people do? I mean, I agree both with uh, Jonathan and Ben. Like, I do believe that um, a lot of companies um, are looking for developers to really um, emphasize the digital aspect of it, but also realizing that, um, you know, the, the, the physical environment is still very important. And um, I think just by, by having a seemingly or finding the seams and finding a way to bridge both the physical aspect and the digital is still very important, um, especially when client facing. You know, um, there, I think, are a lot of advances that we can still take. Um, I think VR, uh, definitely, it's it's been an advancement even since I've been in school and seeing it, like using the Oculus till this day has helped a lot of clients really visualize what you're proposing. Um, and, and really help help them put them in the space essentially. Um, and I think taking it further than that, seeing maybe if there's ways that we can um, put sensory details in to really understand the full environment completely, not just visually, but um, you know, maybe if it's if it's smell or if it's, you know, like anything that um, like hearing wise, like other senses that can fully uh, encapsulate the the physical world that, that the idea that we are putting forward um, and selling to the client. 
kind of what Jonathan was talking about with immersion, you know, this kind of immersive idea. Um, so maybe maybe uh, now's a good time to tell you that one of the, uh, the sort of the, the um, correlation to the undergraduate uh, the collaborative design studio, we have an XR studio. Uh, so that's, um, you know, AR, VR, MR, so all these extended realities. So as we're looking at, um, at interfaces, both developing them as well as using them, um, you know, we're, we want to make sure that, that our graduate students, um, are, are mm, investigating really what's next. So we're bringing psychology together we're bringing you know uh technology together using computer science uh using all of the assets that we have in a research university to bring to bear on the next set of um of skills for the creatives and that's i i mean we learned from when you were at school we learned from you we we took uh we saw what you were doing and you you I, I was there for all three of, of, of you and your education. I could see how you were taking like fish to water. It was just incredible. We, we tried a few things. We, they seemed to work. And now, uh, based on your successes, we've decided to double down and, uh, and expand this into the graduate uh, realm. So I, I thought, um, you know, if you didn't know about that, uh, you might be interested to, to hear what your, your alma mater is, is up to. And so it's not just, you know, we don't invite you to, to have tea and, uh, and just ask uh, you questions, but uh, I thought we'd give you a little something, some news. Uh, maybe you were aware of it, uh, maybe you weren't. Um, but, and, and I, I guess I, I'd like to ask another question. Um, is there something that you wish you would have known, you wish you would have learned uh, in school? What would you have uh, wished you would know then that you know now and wished you would have known then what you know now? I am moved for us all take this one. <laughs> okay, so I was fortunate enough to be an adjunct uh, for a short period of time at the school, and I say fortunate because um, as an adjunct, you're, you're teaching your students, but they are also in turn teaching us and, and me. And I was fortunate because one of the things that I saw most common with the students was there's this fear of just doing and, and trying and getting engaged with uh, whether it's product design, starting a business. Of course, starting a business is not for everybody. Highly don't recommend doing it. But um, there, there's many um, risky things that students feel uh, they don't want to get their, their feet wet in because they feel like they're not professionals. However, uh, as an adjunct, when I was there, I saw that some of these students' work was better than the professionals in the working field. Now trying to convince a student to believe that is not easy, and now trying to build confidence in somebody that may not have had their feet wet before is also not easy. But if there was some way to instill the confidence in students these days, I would say junior, senior, sometimes earlier, um, that you do have the qualifications, creativity, and a lot of them do have the know-how and experience, whether they know it or not, um, to actually engage with professional design services or um, research. There, there's a lot of things that they're very capable of. And with that, 
I would encourage them to start reaching out to businesses earlier. And I'm not, again, you don't have to start your own business, but really jump into the field as early as possible, get a head start, get your experience, um, because you hear all too often they're, they're looking for an introductory uh, designer and say, you need at least five plus years of experience. Well, you just graduated. So you're like, oh, I'm already behind. How do I, I keep up? Just immerse yourself immediately and you'll find out that you're already very competitive, at least with the students that I've seen at NGIT. I, I could speak for them that you do have the experience. You should have the confidence uh, to go out there and just start already. Great. Yeah, and I'm kind of going off with that too is um, I remember as a freshman thinking like, okay, this was my end goal. This is where I wanted to be. And that's great and all, but at the same time, you also need to think of the bigger picture holistically and that there's also more that you can dabble in and, and even not know that something of interest um, is right around the corner if you don't try. Um, so I think just making sure that you're not so fully tunnel vision, like it's good to have your goals, but at the same time, don't be afraid to um, try something different that maybe isn't in your comfort zone or in your expertise. Um, I think that 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 kind of develops you as a as a person and also professionally you um, start realizing what you want to do. Um, maybe that you didn't think about, you know, in your freshman year or, or moving forward. Wonderful. Thank you, Pam. Yeah, so one thing that gave me a lot of sort of stress in my undergrad uh, program back around 2010 was that uh, we didn't yet know if like the generalist route would work out. We weren't sure if we should specialize and get really good at one thing or if generalizing would ultimately work out. And that was a, a real concern um, with NGIT going somewhat more of the generalist route. And uh, so what at least me personally, I feel I know now is that it's really both. And the way that I say that is, you know, I might recommend that you pick something that you really enjoy. I'm talking in the, the realm of digital design here, but you pick a field like say animation that you really love. And then think about the, what is downstream in a traditional product pipeline and what is upstream from your position. So in animation downstream or yeah, downstream might be storyboarding, it might be art, like concept art. Upstream, it might be marketing, it, it might be applying that animation into a larger product like a video game, uh, so development. So in that way, you sort of become a, a generalist specialist. You know, you have one or two areas you're really good at, and then you also have the, the accompanying areas that make you more marketable and able to communicate with, uh, with your teammates a bit better. Um, and then I had one more thing, I don't quite remember. Oh yeah, and, and this is a bit more simple of a task, but every project you do should be seen as a portfolio opportunity. Even if you're in your, your first year, your second year, um, think about how you, you know, it, from an art sort of focus could add that to your portfolio. And uh, then when you, you come out of college, you're already going to have this momentum. You're going to have a website that has, you know, maybe four to eight examples of, of things you've created. And that's immediately marketable to the people who are hiring. So that'll also help take some of the stress out of it.
That's great. So, I mean, you're, you're all coming from different years. Um, and uh, I don't think you, any of you knew each other, right? So this is, this is kind of a, uh, these teas are part of our extended community. We're, we, we are, are uh, committed to maintain uh, a growing community of designers uh, who, who got their start uh, with us and who have that in common. And you know the some of the teas when we have them at school, we have students come in and, and they kind of sit with you and they pick your brain and um, <clears throat> and now because of of this venue, um, you know we're we're trying something a little bit different um, in the in the future if this continues on uh, or if if this um, this situation doesn't continue on, but we decide to do this in the future. And, and continue to reach out to all of our alums uh, around the world uh, who are doing different things. Um, do you think that that would be something that would be valuable? And I'm just wondering if maybe each of you has something to ask the other just to get to know each other a little bit, because it, it is a, it's, um, this is not an interview. This is more of a kind of a free flowing uh, chit chat. Uh, you know, you got your tea bags uh, sent to you in the mail. I think with the instructions, just add water. Um, and so, you know, it was trying to connect us all back together. And and this is this is our our goal. So um, I'm just wondering if uh, if you are interested in knowing kind of a little bit more about the other as uh, as you are are relating. Um, your experiences uh, across disciplines and maybe even across uh, across years. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I I mean, even from starting at NJIT as as a freshman, I remember how community like um, everyone was. Like at studios, you're you're really collaborating with with upper years, um, and I think that's one of the the great benefits about NJIT. And even now, um, keeping keeping up with your with your peers and everyone that you graduated with, um, and even now, like given this opportunity to to meet Jonathan and Ben, I've, I've never I haven't had the the privilege to meet them before. But like now, like this is a great way. And I think even through these difficult times of of that are a little bit more challenging to have um, more interface with people, I think this is a great way to really meet. Um, you know, your, your fellow classmates and we all have almost as a home, like NJIT is a home to everyone. Like we've, we've been long nights, uh, like in the, in the, in the building, you know, like we all know what studio life is like, and that's definitely like, uh, very communal to say. Uh, so I'm going to be very frank with this answer. And it is that when I was in school, my first thought was, I can't wait to get out of school to start work and, and whatnot, but it was, I can't wait to graduate and then take off. To my surprise, after I graduated, I couldn't believe how real the support was. I'm not, no smoke and mirrors here. I, I swear the support was real from administration uh, in terms of, oh, Jonathan, you're doing your own business or venture or whatever it was. How is it? Let us know. And if there's anything we could do, it wasn't, oh, and here's an invoice. It was just like, we're here for you. We're interested to see what you're doing. Please, like, if you go out there, come back and share it with us so, like, we all can learn and, and enjoy the journey. But 
the initial thought as a student was, oh, I can't wait to just run, you know? I never expected the support to be so real. So when uh, there's ever these alumni events, I always go. It's nice to have a drink and have a snack, but you get to meet real people that enjoy sharing their experiences. And it's for nothing more than the camaraderie, um, learning from each other. And usually when you do that, there, there, there's always a catch. There's an invoice at the end, but this is just like mutually beneficial. We came from the same stopping grounds. How can we help each other? If there's synergy there, let's work together. If not, maybe I know somebody else that can help you. And that type of support, I could never have predicted in my life. And that's why this is enjoyable. And anything, NJIT, I get an email, and it's like a little nudge, like, can you make it? Um, it's it's really enjoyable to, to make these happen. It is actually beneficial, too, I will say. Uh, the, the networking, the community has a very strong community. Yeah, I'd, I'd definitely say something similar. I, th I think that uh, when you're at NJIT and you're in the, the College of, of Architecture and Design, um, you have, you know, five different fields, I think. Let's see, digital interior, industrial, architecture. Um, you have all these students that are cohabiting with you you know my studio my digital design studio is right across the hall from an architecture studio and and that's where i got my start i was you know i started as an architecture student mm -hmm. before moving into digital design and throughout my my digital design program i still took architecture classes i loved learning about about physical spaces and and how they impacted you know how we feel so being able to to have such a, a melting pot of of sort of related design fields, <laughs> I kind of miss that. You know, now that I'm at um, my current career, sure, there's a lot of sort of different people, but it tends to be like a, a development team. You know, you got your developer, your designer, maybe your marketer. Um, there's not as much uh, like interior architecture, sort of these people I would communicate with every day uh, at NJIT. Well, I, I don't know, Mike, I, I don't know how much time we've got here. I, I think we're coming up, up on the hour, so I, I don't want to monopolize everybody's uh, Friday night. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I really am um, grateful that you all have come out to visit, uh, to be with us, to be with each other. Um, um, if there, if there, I have to say, I mean, you're you're three of my favorite people. So, and and I knew you all. You didn't know each other, but I knew you. And and uh, uh, it's really really wonderful to see you. In in my mind, you all know each other. So I was surprised. Like, yeah, they don't know each other. So um, it's it's great. And you know, in the in the future, we'll have um, you know a different mix or maybe more of you and and a few other people. Uh, and I I am really grateful to have you as part of this community. Um, you are uh, why um, why I do this. This is this is why I do this. Thank you. Yeah, and I'd like Thank to you. echo John's remarks there. Um, <clears throat> so I have the pleasure of of uh, interacting with alumni by virtue of my job, but it's also something that I really love doing. Um, and folks like you are one of the reasons why. You know, you really inspire uh, me. I think you inspire NJIT administratively and certainly uh, the legacy that you are building now. 
uh, is something that's going to inspire students after you. So, you know, kudos to you. <laughs> and uh, one quick question for all of you. You are going to stay connected with us now, right? Jonathan mentioned, and I was very proud, how important alumni events are. That's a wonderful thing. So I'm hoping I'm going to either see or maybe digitally interact with you at some point in the near future, right? Let's all do a little hand raise. Yeah, yeah, okay, John's got two. Nice. Very well done. All well, right. as, as you know, Mike, um, uh, John has taught for us. And, uh, you know, these are all really, really uh, uh, valuable people in how they bring, you know, the real uh, experience back to the school. So I think they, even tonight, they're showing how they can, they give back, how they teach, how they, they share. And this is, uh, this is one of those things where, you know, I, as soon as I saw the roster, I'm like, oh yeah, this is terrific. And by the way, Maya sends her very, very best. She had a, a couple of things that came up and, uh, you know, she's our, um, our, the, our hostess with the mostest. And, uh, we, we, uh, we love her as well. And we, we, uh, we wish that she would have been able to make it, uh, this evening, but, uh, she sends her very best. Uh, and she, by the way, was the one, as you know, who mailed you the, the tea. So, uh, so I'm sure she'll, she'll probably, this will be on online. Right. And so she can watch this and, uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks for doing that. <laughs> All right, everyone. Uh, listen, thanks so much for joining us tonight, John. Thank you very much for, uh, for the moderation. This has been uh, an excellent session. Uh, and I think a great kickoff for the first virtual uh, tea with alumni in this fashion. So Thank congratulations you. to all of you and, and thanks for participating. We'll see you, we'll see you the next time, okay? So ladies and gentlemen, this has been the first uh, virtual tea with alumni hosted by the Hillier College of Architecture and Design. Uh, it's been a pleasure uh, serving as the uh, guest host in the background here. Um, we're looking forward to doing many more of these. So please stay tuned to this channel. You'll see it on Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, and it also will go out as a podcast. So we look forward to being in touch again soon. And finally, as I say, after all of the broadcasts that we host uh, collectively as a university, go Highlanders. <laughs>